It's always exciting for someone, in, in, for me anyway, in this servant role, to know that you're listening. So last Sunday after service, one of you came up to me and said, hey, I've got another parable for you. Remember last week was the parable of the fitted sheet. This gentleman walked up to me and said, I've got one for you. It's the parable of the missing sock. And as we stood there and talked, I said, hey, hey, what about this one? The parable of the 99 found without, without their mates. This week, I ran into another one. It's called the parable of the unattentive parent in the indoor playground area. <laughs> Terry and I had the distinct privilege of being grandparents and taking our two little ones to the indoor playground area in a, in a park. It was indoor. So having heard all the new things you parents are dealing with today, as a grandparent walking in the door, I scouted out any exit from the playroom. One had an emergency sound on it, which I, made me feel a little better. And then there was the main one. Because there were parents just sitting along, talking, and then their kids were just playing. Now, we had an infant with us, which he was asleep. So I told Terry, I said, you stay on this corner with Hayden. And I'll go in the front where those two doors are, and I'll stay right there. So that we can make sure no one leaves with our granddaughter. That's what you got to do nowadays. You used to not have to do that. You just put them out at Tipton, play, Tipton Park and let them play and you hope they come back. <laughs> Natalie came running up to you. She goes, come on, Pop Pop, you got to get on with me. And this thing was three stories high with tubes about this big around and jumping things and all these other kinds of things. One, I didn't know if I could. Two, I didn't know if I should. And three, I didn't know if I could get off if I did it. <laughs> but I read the rules. Aren't we supposed to read the rules? But we're not only supposed to just read the rules. We're supposed to what? Follow the rules. Why? Safety, because they were made. And, and because little eyes are watching, yes? So I read the rules. It said this playground is for kids under 12. The next rule was, i.e., no adults on the playground. So Natalie came running over and goes, come on, Pop Pop, you got to go with me. Come on. I said, Natalie, I can't. I can't because the rule says it's for 12 and under and for no adults. And she looked with that, that, that look that kind of like melted my heart going, I'm going to go anyway. And all of a sudden, another parent comes off the slide. And Natalie, not in her quiet voice, but Pop-Pop, she went on. But Natalie, not in my quiet voice, the rules say no adults. Natalie gave me a hug and off she went. But she saw. She knew the rule because I read it to her. But the power of what she saw of adults not minding the rules 
spoke louder than I'll ever be able to speak to her. You see, nothing's black and white anymore. We all like to paint the gray area. That's where our world is. We can't say black and white without it being racist and division, divi divisive. That's a big word. Oh, no, it's got to be the gray area. We could talk all day long, and I won't. I'm supposed to say amen. Amen. about that in our world, but let's hone it in on what should be our focus, spiritually. Incredible song, You Raised Me Up. Problem is today, most of us don't want to be raised up. Oh, we do when we fall and bump our knee. Then we're all about screaming, get me out of here, Lord. But in all that other stuff, well, come on. The Bible was written so long ago. Come on. God, it, it's a different culture. Come on. We want to make sure everybody loves everybody and everybody feels welcome and warm and received and all that stuff. We don't want to give them any conflict or conviction. For goodness sakes, that might lead to them being converted to something other than just the gray of the world. The church... We folks, you and I, we have the power within us to see things change. Not the elephant at once, but piece by piece, bite by bite. This building will not change the world. It's but just bricks and mortar and some nice furnishings. The Holy Spirit in which we have talked about, and, and beyond that, what the Word of God expresses is the power that Jesus left behind to indwell us, not just to come upon us when there was a special thing to do, but to indwell us to be different people, to be people of God. And as far as I can read in the Word of God, there's no out except death and that only leads to more worship with God. Amen? That's what we're going to do for the eternity. If you don't like Sunday morning, then you need to start figuring it out. Because that's what you're going to do when you get to heaven. If you've named the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I think we're going to sing up there. I think we may even do a little dancing just because it's in us. Oh, no, not in the church, Mark. Why not? If the Spirit's moving, I shouldn't constrain it because the Word says don't quench it. If somebody wants to shout out amen because the Spirit says amen within them, then by golly, let them shout. Let them raise a hand or two. Let them stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> we'll do it in a basketball game. We'll make fools of ourselves and now it's on the Trinitron and on the television. And we'll wear that as a badge of courage. But to name the name of Jesus outside of these walls is a struggle for us. It's somebody else's job. 
If I look too much like a Christian, then everybody won't want to be my friend or they'll think I'm holier than thou or think, I'm, think I think I'm holier than thou. They'll think I'm judgmental. But I have to tell you this, folks. When the Bible speaks, that's not being judgmental when we reiterate what the Bible speaks. If anything, it means one person is judgmental, and that's who? The judge himself, God Almighty. And I think he has a right to be judged, don't you? He sent Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross for all of our sins. Not his sins. Ours. He paid the ultimate price for you and me. I think he, he has the right to judge all he wants to, do, to judge. Because he's righteous. He's justified. And he wants us to be sanctified so that we can experience all of that too in our lives. Not waiting until eternity. Not waiting until heaven. No, he needs us to do it right here, right now in our lives Wherever we go, whatever we do, and way beyond these walls. In the book of Romans, in Charles Stanley Bible, at the beginning of that book, he gives an introduction, and I want to share that with you this morning. He says, the epistle to the Romans, one of the Apostle Paul's greatest works, is placed first among his 13 epistles in the New Testament. While the four Gospels present the words and works of Jesus Christ, Romans explores the significance of his sacrificial death. Paul offers a systematic presentation of biblical doctrine. Romans is a preeminent book when it comes to crucial topics such as salvation and faith. However, it is much more than a book of theology where we want to put it. It is also a practical exhortation about how to live in joyful obedience. Put those two words together. Joyful, 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 we adore thee. Obedience? No, wait, Mark, that means a spanking and being good and not being bad and sitting where I'm supposed to sit. Joyful, that's what the Bible says. That's what Stanley says, but I'm sure the Bible says it too. About how to live in joyful obedience. The good news of Jesus Christ is more than, the fa more than facts to be believed. Listen to that again, folks. The good news of Jesus Christ is more than facts to be believed or to have head knowledge. It is an abundant life. It is an abundant life to be lived. A life of righteousness befitting the person justified as a gift by God. By God's grace through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Last few weeks we have spent some time laying the groundwork. The foundation, you might say, for our study from Scripture of the Holy Spirit. As we've talked before, in many congregations in my lifetime of 62 years, uh, the Holy Spirit was mentioned. And especially when we talked about the Trinity or said a prayer or something of that nature, it was mentioned. But we never learned about the Holy Spirit. We never took time. 
We've talked about it before, and I won't dwell on it today, but it was just too way out there. God the Father, okay, I can grasp the creator of the earth and all that good stuff, the creator of man. Jesus, his son, died on a cross. We celebrated at Easter. We, we remember his death, burial, and res- resurrection and communion. But Holy Spirit, okay, whatever. But folks, I'm telling you today, as important as it is for the supply lines of fuel and ammunitions and medical care to get to the front lines for Russia or for Ukraine is the importance of for us to understand the Holy Spirit in its entirety the best we can with the limited minds that we have because it's what supplies us with power and strength to live the Christian life to its fullest for God's greatest glory and honor today. No church will do that for you. How fancy the building, how good the bells, how great the donuts, coffee, or music, it won't get you there. Because they won't be there when you're in the trenches and things aren't going great for you or your family. But Jesus says, I go so that the comforter might come, the helper might come. He will do greater things than I do because I leave. Church, wake up. If you've named the name of Jesus and experienced grace and forgiveness through repentance and confession and baptism, you have within you, not because I say it, but because the word of God says the spirit will live within you and dwell with you and it will enable you. Listen, it will enable you to have joyful obedience. How many of you have little kids? Come on, I need to see some young people in this. Raise up. Come, come on, guys, you'll raise them up the ball game. Did you use the odor or not? Yes, you have little kids. Wouldn't you just pray all night long if your kid would have a joyful obedience? Johnny, go take out the trash. Yes, Daddy, I'll go take out the trash right away. It would rock your world, wouldn't it? So what is it in the spiritual life? Because of God and his love for us and his desire for us is that he desires for us to have obedience. Why? Because obedience obedience is what? For us to be obedient is a way that we say, I love you, Jesus. I love you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says the way you can show your obedience to him, to God, to Jesus, is by obedience or you show his your love to him is by being obedient yes that's what the bible says but let's go on where it says it's um we are supposed to live in joyful obedience the good news of jesus christ is more than facts to be believed more than facts to be memorized more than facts to be able to regurgitate there's a word for you it is an abundant life An abundant life. Not a scarce life, but an abundant life. What? To be lived. I'll tell you, if if we would go down into Riley Children's Hospital or Methodist Hospital or St. Vincent's Hospital or any of the other hospitals around to those COVID units or to those cancer units, and we would ask them what they would love to have is is, as well as being healed, they they would love to be able to live 
life to its fullest and abundantly whatever they had left. Instead of striving just to live and get life every day. And we wake up in the morning just hoping to get through morning coffee. The scriptures provide us the knowledge to live a full and abundant life. To live life, not to survive life, not to just get to the end, but to live life. That's, that's different, folks. In churches today all over the world, there are churches that meet regularly and do their thing, but there's churches full of death. Because people are so afraid and we've been brought into so many boxes that we have to fit in and pews that we got to sit in and, and orders of service that we have to fit in and, and, and what everyone has determined over years and years and hundreds of years of how church should be such that we've lost the abundant life in church itself in being. Romans chapter 8, bear with me as I read. Because if we go to Romans 8, what verse do you think of first? I, I'm older now. Romans 8, 28. That's what we think of many times when we think of the 8th chapter of Romans. But I'm going to share with you, as I read Romans this week over and over, it is just full of the Holy Spirit. It would be really bad if I creaked my back right now and couldn't get up. <laughs> Romans is more than verse 28. Listen as I share. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, the battle that overwhelms us. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did who did it? God did it, not you and me, not program, not any, anything like that other than God. God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, incarnate, divine, and yet man. And as an offering for sin, he didn't go unwillingly, he was an offering. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We've got to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh as the world has taught us. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Think about that for a moment. But those who are according to the Spirit, their minds are where? The things of the Spirit. That's why it's good to remember that passage in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's nine of them over and over. When you get in a situation where the world is crashing in on you and all you can see is the world and the flesh around you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, just keep saying it. Or better yet, if you don't want to memorize nine things, just say, Jesus wept, Jesus wept, Jesus wept, Jesus wept. Because that's probably what he's doing if your mind's going toward the world. Amen? Amen. For the mindset on the flesh is death. Ouch. But the mindset on the spirit is life. Life and peace. 
Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot, cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, indwells in you, that's the new covenant. That's the gift of the Spirit we've talked about for the last weeks. It's not something you have to go get. It indwells in you when you become a Christian. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, through, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Anybody keeping track how many times you've said Spirit? Get your fingers and toes ready. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Let's read that again, verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Rise up, O men of God, O women of God. We are not to be taken down by the spirit of slavery leading to fear. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. I was reading some of the commentaries on it. They say, hey, some people don't like it when you call God Daddy. I'm going to tell you what, if that's what brings to mind the best picture of God to you, he's the best daddy there ever was, ever is, and ever will be. And for those that don't like it, Jesus wept, Jesus wept, Jesus wept. <laughs> Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, here we go again, that we are what? Children of God. Children of God. I'm glad I'm children of Don and Dottie Knapp. I mean, there were times when I wasn't quite thinking that way, when they spanked my bottom. But I am proud to say that I'm a child of Don and Dottie Knapp. But beyond that, I am, I am proud to say I'm a child of God, and the world can't take that away from me. And if children heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be what? Glorified with him. I don't know about you, but that sounds great, doesn't it? That's kind of like going to the third floor of the indoor playground and riding the twisty, twirly side down, only to find yourself shot out at the end on a mat that was placed there by somebody smarter than me. Glorified. What a great thing. We're going to be glorified in God. For I consider in verse 18 that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. There's another memory verse. Because I don't know about how, 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 I don't know about where you are, but I'll tell you what, every day there's sufferings. My sufferings are nothing in comparison to the sufferings of people around the world, though. 
or in hospitals or nursing homes or in their own homes through depression or division of family or terrible diseases or any of that stuff. But verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, whatever they are, are not worthy. What? Not worthy to be compared. Can't even be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. We can't grasp that, folks. Verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Not only do we anxiously await for the revealing of the Son of God, guess who else does? The creation, the rocks, the trees, the the grass, the mountains, the streams, the fishies. The fishies. They eagerly await too. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. But because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also would be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Amen, amen, and amen. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Women, say amen. Guess it wasn't that bad. You're all up for another baby then, huh? That's a woman that had a wonderful pregnancy. I know you women won't agree, but this is the only comparison I can have since I'm a, I'm a man. God tells me I'm a man, and biology tells me I'm a man too. Just, just leave it there. But I've had a kidney stone. And I'm with you, women. (laughs) I don't want this childbirth feeling ever again. Because I wasn't built to have that kidney stone, no matter how little it was. But creation, creation is in the pains of childbirth, can't wait to be set free. That's pretty cool. Creation can't wait to be set free in the glory of God, which we're all so above that thinking, well, what's it with the rocks and the trees? Folks, they're right there with us. Why? Because that's the plan. Verse 23, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Have you ever wondered what that groaning inside of you was all the time? That just constantly won't go away? You try to satisfy it with food or with temperature or or sleep or something of that nature? There's an inward toll here. The Bible says that we are told that there's inwardly a groaning going on within us. Groaning for that freedom that we will have when we are set free in God, in Christ Jesus. That's why we are not settled. It's not because we didn't have the right thing to eat or ate the wrong thing. It's because we, will be, we are groaning for that freedom that we'll have when we're finally released from this spiritual battle of sin and death into the eternity of peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding as we keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For in hope we have been saved. That's real hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Now we're going to close in these next few verses. You're going, Mark, why did you read this whole chapter to us? I'm going to tell you what, that's what church used to be. Church used to be the reading of the scriptures. If you remember the story of Jesus when he got, well, he didn't get lost. When his parents got lost, that was the first 
episode of parents getting lost from their kids. Did you know that? Yeah. They were reading the scriptures. Jesus was there listening. That was their worship. They read the scriptures. That's what we're doing today is reading the scriptures with a few commentaries. In his last few verses of Romans 8, don't miss them. Think back about how many times we've mentioned spirit in the first 25 verses of Romans. If you don't think the Holy Spirit is important, then reread Romans 8. Because if you don't think the Holy Spirit is important, it means you probably haven't allowed the Spirit to work in and through you. In the same way, in verse 26, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when you think you aren't praying, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according, according to what? The will of God. When the Spirit prays, he, spray, he prays completely in the Spirit and in the will of God Almighty. And we know, verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We grab onto the first part of that scripture and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good and then we kind of stop. That's what our prayer is anyway. But it does so because people love God and are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, nothing less, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and these whom he predestined he also called, and the, these whom he called he also justified, and these whom he justified he also glorified. God's got a plan, folks. When you think the world's out of whack, never fear. God's got a plan, and it will work, and it will be done exactly, exactly as God tells us. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Wow, what a powerful battle cry. Nothing too big if we let God be for us. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, but in all these things, we what? 
overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Not we. We can't do it. We conquer through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.